0: Hello, my name is Alan Swan and welcome to The Outer View, a show all about the art of media interviewing on RTE Radio 1 Extra. On today's edition, I chat to Ariel Helwani, who has been covering as a journalist mixed martial arts professionally since 2006 and is regarded as the most influential UFC MMA broadcaster in the world. He's the reigning five-time World MMA Award Journalist of the Year winner – born in Montreal, Quebec, and Canada, Elwani currently resides in Brooklyn, New York with his wife and two children. Speaking from New York, my first question to Ariel was whether the art of media interviewing was dead.
1: I think it's 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 alive and well. It, it just depends on where you look for it. I'll say this, it's 2016 and in the in the multimedia age that we're currently living in, I feel like we have access to Better content and better interviews than we've ever had before, at least in my lifetime because of podcasts and because podcasts don't have to adhere to a certain format um, you know uh, the 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 show could be as long as you want it could be three hours it could be twenty minutes it could be you know sixty minutes uh, that really opens up for fascinating interviews so that's basically what I What I listen to, I I don't listen to the radio much. I listen to Howard Stern because I still believe that he's a fantastic interviewer, if not the greatest of all time. But I love podcasts because there aren't commercial breaks, so you don't have to squeeze questions in, you don't have to rush your guests, and it really allows for some fascinating listening. So um, I'll say that when I watch television sometimes, and in particular sports television I'm often very frustrated by the the questions being asked and how someone tackles an interview mm-hmm. but when you you know step away from the limelight and start listening to podcasts and some of the work that all kinds of different people are doing you can find some really good conversations out there.
0: Yeah, so it it really is enjoying a kind of a renaissance um you know because I think regarding podcasting and especially in in the um The genre of interviewing that you do in the sporting world that you do, be it mixed martial arts, wrestling and so on, those sportsmen and women are very honest. Uh, I think they've they've got a really honest background, they've an honest story. And unlike, say, some of the pampered uh, sports stars of the world, be it in soccer or or whatever sport, I think they let more out, if that makes sense.
1: You nailed it, 100%. Um, I'm a very big basketball fan. I love the NBA. My favorite team is the New York Knicks, and I consume all kinds of content related to the Knicks. So I'm watching, you know, the pre-game shows, the post-game shows, things like that. That's that's my escape from from my day-to-day life, and. I am left banging my head on whatever when I hear these these interviews, whether it's the questions or more specifically the answers. Because as you as you mention, uh, it's all very canned, prepared. There's no thought, there's no emotion, there's no authenticity. My favorite thing about covering MMA isn't necessarily the fights; it's really the fighters and it's the 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 um, the quality of the interviews that they give us, the quality of the people that we are you know coming in contact with on a day-to-day basis it's just how real they are they're they're very intelligent human beings they don't have a team of 20 or 30 people telling them what to say they're incredibly authentic the interviews are very organic they're very they're very much like a, a real life conversation and that's why i love doing my show on mondays perhaps more so than anything that i do because you know it's called the MMA hour it was originally an hour and then i just kept wanting to talk to more and more people and especially when I have someone in studio like we did this past week with tyron Woodley, you can really you know you could really tell that these athletes are unlike any other so um you know I would be lying if I don't dream about what it would be like to cover the n b a or you know other forms of entertainment politics sports whatever but i I don't want to ever leave mixed martial arts because of how great the athletes are to us the media they are so accessible, they are so honest they're truly. A pleasure to deal with.
0: Yeah, that really comes across in all your interviews. Um, your style—you have a very articulate style um, when you're interviewing these people. Give us a bit of insight into your, into your process, Ariel. You know how much prep do you do? Because it seems like you know you do an awful lot.
1: Okay, well, you're going to think that I'm an absolute liar, but uh, <laughs> when it comes to my show, there's literally zero prep. Really? I mean, I, I could do the show in a minute. If you tell me here's a list of eight guests. You got four hours. Go for it. I'm ready to go right now. Um, and you know, I, I've I've said this before, and and I could prove it. I mean, on my computer, there's a computer sitting in front of me. There's not a single question written down. There's not a single bit of information. Um, the only reason why I have the computer open is so that I can communicate with the uh, the guys in the um, in the control room if there's some kind of issue or for them to tell me that, you know, a guest is queued up and that, you know, we've called this guy. That's it. Um, you know, do I look things up from time to time uh, on Google just to, um, you know, make sure that I'm 100% right? Absolutely. But when I book a show, um, I, I don't write anything down. I don't write questions. When I first started interviewing people back in college, when I had a, a radio show on the, uh, the student station, um, I would write down, you know, 20, 30 questions. And I found out very early on, that I was sticking to the script too much, and I wasn't listening to the answers, so that I, that you know I was I was precluding myself from a, from asking proper follow-ups, and for you know to make it as conversational as as uh, possible, and that's what I ultimately was striving to do. So um, I got away with that, and once I started becoming an MMA journalist, um, especially given the nature of the sport, and when you're at the events. Um you know, everything is so unpredictable, you don't know who you're gonna see or come in contact with. You have to be ready at all times. So I kinda equate it to like this, I have this massive, you know, encyclopedia in my mind. And if you tell me, okay, Conor McGregor is gonna walk into this room right now, you have to interview him for an hour. I just literally open up the McGregor file and start, <laughs> you know, it. peeling away at all the stuff that he's been dealing with and going through and what are the pertinent questions and, and and that's really it, so the prep is the day to day life I mean I am obsessed with this job i'm obsessed with this sport i'm obsessed at being the best i'm obsessed at getting better, and so yeah, there is prep like right before we spoke i was I was reading things, I was talking to people, I was texting, I was being you know as up to date on things as possible that's the prep that hmm. leads me to the interviews and the shows, but as far as the actual show itself. There's very little prep for that, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's happening at a subconscious level. You're, exactly. Yeah, you're, you're getting all this in. This is what I love about this podcast, is that we've interviewed a whole lot of people so far, and we've a load of them in reserve that we're going to start releasing soon for series two. Um, but it's it, what I love about this is it's, it's talking to broadcasters, journalists, writers, everyone's got their own kind of unique way of doing things. There's no real set way of how to interview a person. Everyone's got their own style. And what I loved about you, and I, I read this um, earlier on today, and I don't know if this you might be able to confirm this or not when when you went and did communications um, you're from Montreal correct Um you, you it says here you had dreams of becoming the next Bob Costas or Marv Albert uh, but I love this quote from and you might confirm this is true or not You said but when I got there to college I realized that everyone wanted to be the same person that I wanted to be so you kind of picked you decided not to go down the route of I want to be like x person I'm going to be myself
1: one hundred percent. Once again, that is a hundred percent accurate. I uh, I got to Syracuse. I I was in the ninth grade, and um, I remember sitting in in uh, English class in Montreal, and I was reading a magazine called Sports Illustrated, which is very popular here in the United States, and it was one of those magazines where it was ranking the best schools in the country in the United States for X, Y, and Z, and there was a little blurb about. The best school for sports broadcasting. And to me, you know, this Jewish kid from Canada, this wasn't really something that was, uh, you know, accessible. I mean, I would watch the NBA Finals and the World Series and all kinds of sporting events and I would I would make sure to tune in from the very beginning because I love to see how the broadcasters set things up, how they interacted with each other. I just love the whole, you know, the whole production of it all. And when I read that Syracuse University was um, you know their choice for the, the best school for sports broadcasting and also the the home, the alma mater to all these greats, I decided, okay, I need to go there. Yeah. And you also have to understand that in, in Montreal and especially in the community that I grew up in, it's not very common to leave um, your hometown to go to the United States. It's, it's quite hard to get the visa and all that. So um, it, I was the only one who did so, but I did it. And when I got there, I realized that my, my dream wasn't all that unique. So all these people were, you know, uh, very much intent on being the next Costas Albert basketball baseball football guy. And this is 2001. Mixed martial arts was growing. And I've said this before, you may have heard it, but I I told my parents in 2001 that in 10 years, this sport is going to be mainstream and there's going to be some executive in some office who's going to say, all right, well, I guess we have to start covering MMA. Who's the guy? And I need to position myself as that guy. And so that was my goal from, from the outset.
0: Smart move.
1: I guess. Yeah. You know, it's funny (laughs) in 2011, 10 years later, I was hired by Fox. And to me, that kind of felt like, okay, that was the validation, the, uh, the the dream has been realized the prediction came true and uh you know that that was an unbelievable experience and fortunately earlier this year it came to an end but um little did i know a couple of months ago it coming to an end was really the best thing to ever happen to me and it was long overdue and you know that's a different story for a different day but i certainly learned a lot and it did kind of feel like okay my my goal from 2001 was somewhat validated and my, my parents never wavered or stopped believing in me. But, uh, you know, in 2001, the sport was nowhere near as popular and lucrative and, you know, uh, accessible to, to young journalists and, all that stuff as it is today so um, but you know what, parents, I, I was very happy.
0: I, I'm from a, a town called up in County Kildare in Ireland and parents from up in County Kildare are no different to parents in Montreal. My parents ah. my parents wanted me to be a teacher and I said listen I want to do this kind of media thing would you let me do it and they said well look if you end up getting a job okay we'll leave you alone. If you don't get a job go off and study to be a teacher. So the, I think parents of the world are all the same they just want what's best yes. for their kids. Absolutely. Uh, when you were in college or when you were starting off in the business did you have any mentors or anyone that you turn to that were good to you or gave you good advice on the way up
1: well okay that that <laughs> you're asking great questions and i appreciate that's why i was so excited to do your show oh thank you fun to talk to talk about this stuff um so when i was in syracuse for three years I was very lonely and uh, it kind of it kind of shaped who I am today because when I was in high school, I was, you know, I thought I was a pretty popular guy and I had many friends and I was on the basketball and soccer team and, you know, life was pretty good. But when I got to Syracuse, I just had a hard time fitting in. I think it's because I was very homesick. I kind of consider myself a little different than everyone. Um, you know, I, I was from Canada, although that's not a foreign place necessarily. It just, I, I did not mesh with the people there. I didn't mesh with the people in my program. Etc. Uh, Etc. Cetera, et cetera. When when I got out, though, I was you know very determined to sort of prove everyone wrong and um, and 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 make something of myself. And uh, I actually didn't go into broadcasting right away. I went into TV production because uh, I got an internship the year before my final year at Syracuse at HBO Sports. And HBO Sports to me is the gold standard when it comes to TV production and sports journalism. And so when I graduated. They offered me um, a one-year job to work in their documentary department, um, and I thought that that was a fantastic opportunity. Even though I, you know, I had these dreams of being on air, um, it just seemed like a great opportunity to move to New York City and work in their documentary department at the time. I thought it was the very best, and I met uh, someone there named Aaron Cohen who thankfully I'm still friends with Uh, till this day. We actually play on the same basketball team, an intramural basketball team. And Aaron Cohen is, uh, you know, one of the most brilliant people that I've ever met. He is um, an unbelievable – to say he's an unbelievable writer is a massive understatement. Uh, He he writes all the scripts for the uh, NBC Olympics. He's essentially – uh, Bob Costas' right-hand man, as as funny as that is coincidentally, um, and he writes, uh, you know, he's r- written for HBO Sports with their 24-7 show, he's written 30 for 30s in ESPN, I mean, he has done it all in the, the world of um, of sports uh, television production. And uh, you know, he, he just became like this mentor to me. And in 2007, when I decided to leave TV production, he was the first person that I called and I asked him what he thought of this idea that I had to start a website where every morning I would post an audio interview with a fighter. And uh, I, I said I was gonna give myself six months to get noticed. And if I don't get a job um, off this website, after six months, I'd go back to TV production, and he was the first person that I called, and he said, go for it. And when I got his you know, seal of approval, I said, okay, this isn't the craziest idea, and I went for it. And until this day, you know, when, when I was banned by the UFC for a brief period back in June, uh, he was actually the first person that I texted. But it was 1 a.m. in New York City. I was on the West Coast, and he wasn't awake, but I wanted to know what would Aaron do. So uh, yeah, he, he would be considered uh, my mentor throughout my career.
0: Yeah, you'll find that not, this is a very common thing um, in media journalism, that you have, you know, I would have two to three go-to people that would be my counsel, that if I wanted some advice in, you know, it, it's it's like if you woke up in a hotel room and something very untoward's gone wrong, who who, 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 yes. the, who are the people you would call? Um, so I think everyone's got a list of two to three people, and I suppose for we have a lot of media students that would listen to this podcast, and I think there's a fear... Uh, for people starting off in the business that they're afraid to pick up the phone or send an introductory email that you know they've kind of lost the, the art of you know because everything's so fast now an instant on, on twitter or instagram yeah. or snapchat or whatever that you know a well-worded email to somebody reaching out and saying look i'm starting off in this business could you ask could i ask you for some advice some help and um, people have kind of forgotten that you can actually still do that
1: Yes, um, I agree. I I, I will say, though, that a lot of people do email me and I'm somewhat disheartened, if I'm being honest, by what they write because they say to me, like, you know, oh, you know, I I would love to be an MMA journalist. What do I have to do? You know, um, can I come work for you? Can I come work for your site? How did you get started? And to me, if I'm going to reach out to someone who I look up to or I want advice from, I will do my research first. And I feel like my story has been told uh enough times now where you can kind of find the same way you found that quote where you can get a sense for okay what was my road to this point and maybe then you read the interviews you watch the interviews whatever and then maybe you can ask a few follow-up questions but uh to be honest when i started that website it was fairly it was it was it was it was fairly easy for me to sort of come up with the idea okay what do i have to do um i live in a pretty you know and we've advanced since then but you know we live in an age where people are accessible so every day i decided that i was going to write 30 to 50 uh myspace messages um i don't even know if myspace is still around i think it's around in some form what what was
0: what was the name of the guy that 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 everyone when you became his friend yes
1: what was it tom or something Uh, oh tom yes (laughs) he had that that photo of his (laughs) uh, you know him looking over the shoulder um So, so I just wrote to fighters, and you know, if one or two responded, great. Now I have one or two interviews, and all I was trying to do is get one interview out a day because I love the art of interviewing. I, I love talking to people. To me, you give me a, a black room with a chair, two chairs, a desk, maybe two cups of water, and that to me is the greatest set in the world. That's why I love the Charlie Rose show so much. I don't know if you've seen it, but that's exactly his set. And I think he 's a fantastic interview as well, so um, you know I I, I I realized that, okay, let me reach out to these guys and put out these and so when people reach out to me and say um, to me it 's like okay, well, what do you want to do? be different, look at everyone else, be different what 's your style and, and And so sometimes I feel like you know if i 'm being honest, I feel like the the younger generation is a little lazy, and they want someone to just hold their hand and tell them exactly what to do and give them the big opportunity but it, it doesn't work that way. I'm still scratching and clawing and I'm still trying to make it as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah so so sometimes it's it's good but sometimes I will say I'm like gosh, you know, you could have looked it up and 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 come at me with some better first questions to make this good first impression no.
0: uh, getting back to uh, the art of interviewing do you, do you review your work critically ariel do you sit down maybe after doing an interview from time to time and go i better listen back to that and see am i approaching this at the right angle am i repeating myself too much are you are you self-critical at all
1: yes very um it is also incredibly difficult for me to do so as i'm sure you've heard before i mean it's it's so hard to listen to ourselves and you say why did you ask that why did you you know, start with this question. Why did you stumble there? Why did you go in this direction? I mean, oh my gosh, it, it will kill me. For example, um, I'll, I'll say just, just last night we were at this press conference and, um, you know, it was, it was a fantastic scene. It was one of the most memorable press conferences I've, I've ever covered. It was at Madison Square Garden. Conor McGregor was there. It was just an electric atmosphere. And we did this sort of wrap up video, this reaction video to the whole thing right outside of MSG. And for me, uh, madison square garden is a very special place because i'm a big new york knicks fan and that's where they play and i've always wanted to cover an event there i haven't had the opportunity to do so because i cover mma and you know because mixed martial arts has been illegal in new york state up until this this year and so we did this reaction video and and my closing comment was just total crap i i i kind of ru- i i i just i messed it up i i I should have kept it tighter. I, I should have just got in and out. And I tried to make it out to be something that it wasn't. And I've thought about it and listened to it and and it just kicked myself. And you you know you kind of just move on after a day. But yes, I am very 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 hard on myself. And it's sometimes hard for me to just listen um, to to my work because it it only makes it worse. Like I'll know right then and there that I screwed something up, and it will eat me up inside until the next thing that I do Uh, so yeah I'm very self-critical
0: you mentioned Conor McGregor there uh, which brings me to my next question that you know it's great when you have a subject like Conor McGregor because he'll talk literally for Ireland you know he's a man who knows he's very media savvy he knows the direction that he wants to go in, but he'll also, he's very generous as well, so, you know, he'll give lots. Are you ever in a situation, though, where you get the opposite of a Conor McGregor, and how do you deal with cul-de-sacs? Do you cut your losses when you're doing an interview with somebody and kind of go, look, it's not going anywhere, so I'm just going to end this now? Or have you any techniques that you use to try and elicit a bit more, you know, information or a performance from your interviewee?
1: I take pride in, in trying to fight through it. They're not all going to be Connors. Um, And sometimes I get very frustrated when I hear journalists say, oh, that guy is a horrible interview. And I instantly think, well, that was probably your fault. You know, everyone is is interesting in in their own way. Everyone has a great story to tell. Maybe you weren't prepared. Maybe they didn't like your approach. Maybe you weren't asking the right questions. Maybe you didn't start the right way. Um, You know, there's a guy named Rory McDonald, who I find to be fascinating. And I've heard so many journalists say, oh, he's such a boring interview. Oh, he's, he's so dull. I never get anything good out of him. He is one of my favorite interviews. And you know if I'm saying that, that there's something to it. Because I don't try to come at him with the same questions. I don't try to approach him the same as everyone else. Because everyone's different. You, you always have to go at things differently. And there's a certain way that you have to tackle a, a Rory interview or a conversation as opposed to Connor, etc. And uh, so, so I tend to, to feel like if it's a bad interview, then it's on me. Um, I didn't ask the right questions. And, and, you know, look, sometimes there's going to be circumstances where the interviewee is um, in a bad mood, doesn't like you, doesn't want to participate, just got some some bad news. Who knows? I mean, they're not all gems. That's for sure. But more often than not, I feel like when media members, journalists complain about the quality of the interview, it's actually on them.
0: Absolutely. Do you remember your first interview, by the way? Because I'm sure that was was that a difficult interview? Do you remember it?
1: Oh, my. Um, I remember my first on-camera interview was actually in Montreal. It was at UFC 97. Um, I was not credentialed to the UFC event because I was working for a website called MMARated.com, and we were relatively new in the UFC. Actually, it actually took a year and a half to credential me. Uh, they, they, they gave me a very hard time. Um, in the beginning of my career, as I guess they tend they to do sometimes, they knew, yes, those, they, they knew. knew, they knew what
0: they were going to get in the future. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Although
1: most of those PR people aren't even around anymore. But anyway, maybe they, they, they knew something. They knew. Something was in the air. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually I did I did some interviews in Montreal. I went to an event there. I just started working, and it, it, it was just kind of perfect timing. Um, but I can't really call those my first, even though those were on camera. The first ones were when I was. Uh, Oh, my. It, 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 I was in Montreal, and I was working at a radio station called CFMB 1280 AM, and I, and I got an internship um, to uh, work on a pro wrestling radio show on Friday nights. I used to listen to it, um, and uh, one of their their team members left, and I got an opportunity to be on, and this was like a dream come true. I couldn't believe that I was on the radio there was something magical about the radio station, especially at night. I loved the radio station at night because I always loved listening to the radio. Um, as as other kids have have said before, you know, under the covers, listening to um, a, a sports game, uh, everyone's sleeping, and it's just you and and those sounds. And and so to me, it was like a very sacred place. And so I did interviews there. I don't honestly remember who the first one was. Um, but I just remember instantly falling in love with it and 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 realizing that okay, this is something that I want to be a part of.
0: Um you mentioned Charlie Rose there um, a few moments ago. And um, what what would be your kind of go to interview show now? I know you listen to an awful lot of podcasts. Is there any that, that any of our listeners
1: on in the interview would really enjoy that that they mightn't have heard of? Well, Charlie Rose, I think, is fantastic. I also think that Howard Stern is. The greatest interviewer of all time, the way he gets people to open up, the way he breaks them down. Um, you know, he, he, he allows them to let their guard down. He asks sometimes unconventional questions. I mean, I know that he is uh, controversial, but people who just look at him on the surface and look at some of the hijinks aren't really seeing his brilliance um so i I enjoy listening to him as well um there are some there are some other interviews um or excuse me interviewers that i think are good but to be honest i I feel like those are the two gold standards more often than not uh i am left very i'm left very disappointed like I, i i see oh this guy interviewed this guy and it's just you know, it's 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 just not the right kind of questions. I, I'm I'm just I'm just left so frustrated. like, wow, you had this person. Why didn't you do this or that? You know who who asks some good questions. Um, I don't know if are you a pro wrestling fan?
0: No, I wouldn't be a huge pro wrestling fan now, we'll but throw so, the name, we will definitely listen.
1: Well, there's there's a legend named Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Actually,
0: yeah, yeah, no, yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't
1: listened to his uh, his podcast in a while because I I really don't like pro, pro wrestling anymore. But I was a gigantic fan back in the day he still has a podcast um i was blown away one thing that always frustrates me is when an athlete crosses over becomes a media member and then starts doing interviews and television all that stuff and you could tell they're just a mess um steve austin might be the best athlete turned media member that i've ever come across because he actually listens to his you know you I, i just just from an interviewing standpoint um, I think you would find it interesting because this is a guy who didn't grow up doing this, didn't strive to do this, and he actually listens and asks very, very, very good follow-ups. To me, the key is you have to listen. You have to listen to what the person says. Sometimes their last word will lead to a very interesting follow-up. You can have your next question, you know, you can have something queued up, but you got to listen and it has to be very conversational-like. So those are a few that come to mind. I
0: wonder, is that because that he didn't have the typical, you know, media kind of influence going through his career that you know that he was maybe a very conversational type of a guy and then when he was put in the hot seat of actually presenting himself that it was just it was natural ability that he was just a good talker a good listener you know s- similar to say a really really good psychologist that yeah and no. i mean, think stern as well you mentioned him a couple of minutes ago and, yeah. and to me he's sometimes very much you know part priest part psychologist part confidant it is that listening thing is just so important
1: I agree. Um, there's also Alec Baldwin, the actor. Oh he yeah. Has... What a great podcast. Yeah. I really enjoy that one. Here's the thing. Um, so there are some good ones out there. Uh, there's actually a podcast here in the United States, which is somewhat similar to what you're doing. Um, it's by a guy named Richard Deitch. Uh, he works for sports illustrated and, uh, he is their media writer and he interviews, um, journalists, broadcasters, uh, kind of, you know, about their process and, and, um, what their careers have been like, um, and things of that nature, and, and I find that I find this topic to be very interesting as well. Nothing frustrates me more though than you know some of these interviews and, and that's kind of the 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 yin and the yang of of podcasts like the 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 good stuff is is the stuff that I was talking about earlier the the bad. Part about it is, you know, when it's just sort of like it, ne- the the conversation just never starts, and there's jokes and there's laughing. Like I, I want something concise. I, I want to know where you're going. I want to build to something. I want to break a person down. You know, this is a. I I, I feel very very passionate about the the art of interviewing I, I love nothing more and uh so i guess you know it's like um you know a painter looking at some you know some lazy painting or a composer looking at you know just a mess of a song i, I guess you know that's kind of the way i look at interviews
0: and, and true to the spirit of your style being concise been straight to the point uh, I'll, I'll only hold you for another couple of minutes and, and ask one or two no more questions um you know you talk about getting frustrated at listening to other podcasts is there any um, kind of genre of of uh, style or um, you know film or tv or spirituality or or wellness that you'd like to do interviews for like books or anything like that. you know are you always go- do you think you'll always just stay rooted in the expertise that you have in doing MMA or do you would you like to branch out and do something completely different
1: I would love to branch out um, you know you're always looking for Oh, and by the way, I want to add one more name to that list because I find him to be um, incredibly talented Luis Theroux. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, God. uh, I, I love his work. And, you know, he's more obviously a television guy. Does he have a podcast? Do you I know? don't know. He's another very disarming um, yes. interviewer because I think
0: people kind of don't know what, uh, you know, th- I think his style confuses people and they don't know, they let, they let their guard down because I, I think originally when he started off doing his interviews first, he came across as kind of a bit of a village idiot as in kind of like, oh really? Yeah. Like very innocent in his approach. Whereas that's his style. It's just, I think that's, that's the beauty of it. And people kind of go, oh, maybe he's just a little bit kind of innocent about the whole thing, and that allows them in more to, they let go more when they're talking to him.
1: Yeah, um, I I think that he would be a fantastic guest for your show, because I think his style, I think you nailed it as well. Um, so, anyhow, going back to your original question, what was it again? Uh, you know, do you want to do anything else? Do you want to review? Books? Oh yes, you of wanna... course. Oh, I would love to. I would love to do more. I mean, of course, you know, it's it, it was very exciting to be on television. Uh, that's just a whole different ball game from what I do now on the internet, um, podcasts, and things like that. Uh, of course, you you want the right kind of format and the right kind of opportunity. But I, I'm a I'm a big sports fan, as I mentioned, and I and I'm you know I'm interested in all sorts of things. I mean, just you know. Uh, society and and life and and stories about people I mean, I I truly feel like if my mailman comes in the room right now I could put together a very interesting interview with him and and learn about everyone's got a great story to tell so that is my dream my dream is to just have the the, the Charlie Rose show my dream is to have the Larry King show have a show like Louis Theroux or Howard Stern if I could do that until I'm 100 years old uh, it will be a good life for me
0: my guest there, Ariel Helwani. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of The Outerview for RTE Radio 1 Extra. You can find out more about The Outer View at alanswan.com.